Hey guys, it's Sean from Saturday Morning Cartoons. Before we get started with this week's episode, we would be remiss if we didn't say and give a shout out to our first sponsor for the show. We are, of course, talking about Red Apron. What is Red Apron, Dave? Yeah, we are super happy to have Red Apron uh, sponsoring this show. You guys might be familiar with some other food subscription services out there. You pay, you know, 20 bucks a box for them to send you basically a shitload of dirty vegetables uh, every week. And I mean, that's fine if that's what you kind of want to do. But some of us red-blooded Americans want some actual red-blooded meat to sink our teeth into. That's where Red Apron comes in. Sean, I don't know if you've heard about this before or not, but let me ask you this. Uh, what if I offered you up the freshest possible steak imaginable? Would you be into that? Uh, uh, Dave, it sounds like you're going to be sending real livestock to my front door in a box. You beat me to it, buddy. You get to slaughter your own livestock right at your front door each and every week through Red Apron. We are so happy to have them as a sponsor of this show. I am, I'm just getting geared up to go slaughter a cow uh, right out back <laughs> tonight, and I'm going to have dinner for the rest of the month. And we're so happy that they're sponsoring the show because that I can't think of anything, anything that complements Saturday morning cartoons better than a raw, rare steak. When you sit down to watch cartoons, there's just nothing better. Am I right, kids? Yeah, that makes the most sense that I've ever heard in my life. So, guys, head over to www.redapron.com SMC, enter in the coupon code SMC, and you will get absolutely fucking nothing. That's right. Guys, do you really want us to do these kind of adverts we don't. at the beginning of our show? We like to make fun of them, but we don't really want to do them, make you suffer yeah. through them. So, what we're asking you guys is to head over to patreon.com slash Cartoons. And for the amount of a cup of coffee that you would spend at a Starbucks, you can support high-quality podcasting just like this one. This episode not sponsored by Starbucks. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to patreon.com slash Cartoons. You can donate there. Much appreciated. If you don't want to donate, uh, you can please head over and just rate and review us on iTunes uh, and share it with a friend. Uh, Just get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it, guys. So thank you very much. Thank you guys for listening and on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the ComV, I'll be your safari guide, Dave Trumbor. <laughs> Joining me as always, he's a feral child raised by orangutans, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, Sean? <sighs> David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? Doing good. We're continuing uh, New Year's Nicktoons here this week. We're getting into one that I'm more familiar with. Uh, I'm not going to give away how I thought about this particular show, but I remembered liking it more than I did. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this this one here? Uh, I was I was aware of this. Yeah. I think I maybe watched a couple episodes. I uh, I, I I don't know. I had a, a lukewarm opinion going into it, but I found out that I was pleasantly surprised. Interesting. Wow, we might actually yeah. have a, a difference of opinion on this one. I guess we're about oh, to find no. out. <laughs> Teaser. But before we get into that, Sean's going to walk us through a brief history of this particular Nicktoon. Guys. We should first and foremost mention that we are talking about the Wild Thornberries, and the Wild Thornberries is an American animated television series produced by Klasky and Chupo for Nickelodeon. It premiered in 1998 and was the first Nicktoon to exclusively use 22-minute stories. Episode of other Nicktoons usually featured two 10 or 11-minute stories using the 22-minute stories only on occasion. So the show was rerun on Nickelodeon and occasionally the Nicktoons network until late in 2007. Following the Shout Factory's acquisition of the title in 2011, all five seasons and 90 episodes have been released on DVD, except for the pilot episode, which was never released. Never released. Never released. It's a ghost pilot. (laughs) So yeah, if you guys find that one out there, let us know. I didn't actively search it. But uh, who knows? Maybe it's one of the the lost treasures of the wild thornberries. As for what the show is actually about, here we go. The series followed the thornberries, a nomadic family of documentary filmmakers famous for their televised wildlife studies. It centers on the family's younger daughter, Eliza, and her secret gift of being able to communicate with animals, which was bestowed upon her after having rescued a shaman masquerading as a trapped warthog. Oh, man. The old classic, uh, uh, classic shaman shtick. masquerading as a trap war. Uh, who, hasn't, 
who hasn't been bestowed the gift to be able to communicate with animals after rescuing a shaman masquerading as a trapped warhawk? It gets me every time. I never see it coming. That old chestnut. If I can count the number of t- animals that I can speak to. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I love that the number of animals is amazing. <laughs> the number of animals is amazing. The number of animals is amazing. Is amazing. Uh, what's interesting is that this power sounds like it would be pretty central to most of the plots uh, that we see. However, it, it's not used like 100% of the time, which was confusing. I feel like if you're yeah. going to use it, just use it the whole time and maybe don't, you know, half-ass it and miscommunicate things that's going to screw everything up. But that's just me. What do I know? I can't talk to animals. David. If we don't do that, then there's no lesson learned. Oh, I see. Now I get it. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no lesson learned in these cartoons unless there's a little bit of miscommunication. We will definitely get into my thoughts on this particular protagonist uh, and how she differs from a lot of the other ones. You know, normally in, in cartoons and literally anything, something has to happen in order to progress the story and to drive some sort of conflict. It's just rare that you see the protagonist actually causing their own sources of conflict. <laughs> so without, without saying any more, um, let's talk about this particular theme song here tonight. So what are, what are your thoughts on this one? You know, this is, this is interesting because yeah. this is, again, uh, it, 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 I liked the theme song. I thought it was okay uh, for the simple fact that it provides a ton of exposition. Yes. Uh, because this is a really kind of crazy family unit. Uh, and so it's not the normal nuclear family that you would, would come to think of. This is something that's, that's very, very different. But the way that this is narrated to you from Eliza, she starts out by just saying, it's an average family. And then she goes on into sort of the weeds of the family. And you're just like, wait, what? what? There's what? nothing about this family that's there's average. Nothing, there's nothing average about this whatsoever. They have a. They have a character named Donnie mm-hmm. who is some sort of uh, aboriginal child that they, they said, she says in the theme song, she goes, we found him. I was like, oh, that's, that's kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> to which his then they his backstory is super dark and we'll talk about it in a second, but yeah. Well, they followed up with saying that Darwin, this monkey character that they have, they're like, he found us. And I was like, well, that's an even more, that's a, that is an additionally clever way of saying Chimp kidnapping. Napping. So yeah. Chimp napping. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. Uh, that's called and then poaching. She's just that's po- yeah, it's poaching. Um, <laughs> and so a lot of people pay a ton of money to be able to do something like that. Yeah. But they don't keep him around unless it's on a trophy on your wall. Yeah. They often don't make like cartoon documentaries about it. As far as I know, this might be <laughs> the only cartoon documentary to feature uh, poached chimpanzees and feral children. And feral children. <laughs> Call me crazy. I don't so- think there's too many of them out there. No, no, no. This is this is pretty unique in that sense, which brings you to the fact then that she kind of polishes off this gem with the additional fact of, oh, and I can also speak to animals, followed by the exposition of, I guess we're anything but average. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no fucking shit. She figured it out like, in 30 seconds that, oh, I guess we're not super average. Uh, I love that in the intro, though, it gives you what I'm assuming was in the pilot, maybe not was that whole backstory about how she like found a trapped warthog, tried to help it. It was actually a shaman mm-hmm. in disguise. He woke up and then pointed his staff at her and gave her the power to speak to animals and then disappeared presumably forever. So I love that that's all kind of like crammed into this theme song because if you've never seen the show before, now you're caught up with pretty much everything you need to know. And then right. the theme song goes from that to just kind of showing like, not, not really clips. I don't know if they were segments of other episodes or if it was just random animation of like their vehicle which is called the com v for a hybrid of communications vehicle uh shows that kind of like out in the safari and out in different jungles and in various wildlands and different animals that they're kind of running alongside and things like that so i i like this as a i like this as an intro but not as a theme song if that makes sense yeah it's not really there's not much to it as far as theme goes yeah there there's if this is setting the stage you know i i guess it really kind of boils down to in terms of a theme song, what is our definition of theme song? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it something where it's just, you know, uh, a lot of exposition that's sort of being thrown at you? Is it something where there's, there's a music kind of riff or soundtrack that's behind it? Is there synthesized robot voices ugh. that happen in the background? Yeah, I know. Ugh. Double ugh. ugh, ugh. Um, or is it something where it's music and it's sung to you uh, and there's a lot of, like, you know, really kind of weird 
guitar music and like shredding and stuff like that for no apparent reason is it just, just like, 45 right. seconds of of a giant floating <laughs> golden skull in space shouting skeleton warriors at you <laughs> yeah. that's the thing that counts yeah, so, i mean there's there's a lot of things in terms of a definition of a theme song but i, I think you know if if the theme song, and I'll posit this, is that if the theme song's idea is to kind of set the stage and allow you to seamlessly transition and sort of move into the show uh, without really any prior knowledge to the show, this, this does a decent job of being able to set that up yeah. with just, it's just very heavy handed in terms of exposition. Yeah, but, I didn't mind it because it was just like, hey, look, if you haven't been watching for the last, I don't know, five seasons and six episodes, here's the story in a nutshell. And now you're caught up. And then the rest of it was right. just kind of like colorful filler because it wasn't. It wasn't really much of a theme song. I can't really remember it. It's not super memorable, but I remember the exposition no. part of it, and that was fine because you right. are kind of introduced to uh, like six and a half dozen characters here who you can kind of figure where they fit in the family unit, but you might not understand why certain things are happening. So before we right. get into tonight's episode that we watched, which is season five, episode seven, Look Who's Squawking, let's briefly run down these characters so you know who we're talking about once we hit their names in the discussion. Yeah, you know, I'll say this just uh, about these characters. One of the things that I really love now that we're kind of getting into the character study of this, uh, I love the fact that the, uh, the, the, that Nigel and Marianne, um, Nigel is, uh, he, he's the father figure yeah. and he is the one who actually is in front of the camera for these, uh, for these Oh my gosh. Yeah, just documentaries, wildlife documentaries. Right. So uh, I think it's great that Nigel and Marianne actually work together. Yeah. That Marianne is the camera operator and, and loader, and that Nigel is the on air talent. And they just they work really well together. Yeah. Like, it's very, I mean, I'm sure that at some point there was probably in some episode somewhere, there has to have been some type of a conflict between the two of them where they were just like, I don't want to work with you anymore. And they, you know, a little bit of a, a, a marriage tiff that they would have maybe but, but they the seem time. like just like the perfect couple because like they're yeah, both they're they both really do. they're both comfortably independent doing their own thing like if oh i don't know if nigel's sitting on the top of the convy in minus 15 degree weather waiting for an egg to hatch and marianne's off uh in a karaoke bar somewhere like they both they both exist in their own spheres just fine and then when they come back together they don't miss a beat and they work together really well to pull off this, uh, to, to, to both pull off the documentaries in the wild and also raise this family of weirdos. So it's a really yeah. nice, they're also weird themselves. I think Marion is probably the most normal out of all of them, maybe. I don't know. I feel like she has, I feel like she enjoys that. I feel like she enjoys being sort of around that kind of, that different energy yes. that's sort of counter to who she is as a person. Um, because she's able to, as we saw in this episode, kind of let loose and, and she's able to be weird yeah, and kind of forward and have fun as well. Yeah. And so, and uh, Marianne uh, is voiced by Jody Carlisle. Mm -hmm. And this is the best part. Yep. Nigel is voiced by Tim Curry. Tim Curry. It's great that he, so he actually gets to voice you... like uh, a positive character rather than a, a villain this time around. He actually, yeah, right? and he chews it up, man. Like his, his kind of British accent and his weird dad jokes and his weird like grunts and laughs that he has is 100% Tim Curry, and you can't replicate that at all. But it's amazing I, watching, watching this My favorite thing out. is the, the Nigel character has been used over and over and over again in a bunch of memes yeah. that are on the internet for the catchphrase that he has, smashing. smashing. And so it'd be like, smashing. And so it'd be like some character that would not be Nigel, and then it would turn around and it'd be Nigel's indistinguishing, like, like immediately identifiable face yes. of just giant, like, crooked crooked huge nose with this like little tiny black beady eyes and it would just be him just going smashing and you're just like it gets me every damn time i don't know why it's so funny but it is it's great and i want it to exist it's great and they're great but and their does. kids are ugh, not great so you want to talk eliza wow. first of all yeah yeah she's Let's like the main the main one you're gonna follow throughout this whole thing she's look not attractive i'll say that like she's not hey, she's not drawn to be like a pretty like a pretty girl like she's kind of got like an egg kind of head and she's got these like braids and she's got braces and glasses like she's not drawn to be like a stereotypical she's she's drawn in that classic chupo manner which is like a really weird animation style that is very specific to their their house style uh, so they're right. not typically like attractive like if you look at all the rugrats characters they're not attractively drawn characters whatsoever they're all weirdos yeah. but they all kind of it, look like normal people right they they sort of 
and I think the point that you're trying to make is that they resemble normal people. It's just that like the the lines that they use yes. are not always symmetrical. No, not at all. Um, I mean, that's one of the main of, things. It, there's a lot of lumpiness and a lot of crags and right. crevices and just kind of yeah. yeah. And so us us as people, as we we look at things, where we quickly notice and distinguish a lot of that symmetry, but it becomes glaringly apparent when asymmetry is drawn into something, especially in the Klasky Chupo art style. And so, you know, you think about Tommy Pickles with his head his that looks like a, a, like a crater. Just looks like a in, dollop in of mashed place. potatoes on a plate. <laughs> it's just been punched. Yeah. Like and so punch those um, potatoes. You know, so you get a little bit of that with Eliza. She, you know, she definitely. Uh, has some of those distinguishable and classic features from this art style animation. And so, uh, but I wouldn't say she's unattractive. Eh, the fact Dave. that she's voiced by Lacey Chabert, however, though, is like, yeah, what? what's up? She was what, one of my earliest crushes back in the day, Party of Five style. Hell yeah. Yeah. What's up? What up, Lacey, if you're listening? <laughs> That's all I got. I like, I like when you voice. Hold on. I like when you voice a 12 year old girl on Wild Thornberries? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> You, this is your shot. Yikes. She is, pri- I'm going to tweet Primed. this episode at her. This is your opportunity to shine, Dave. And your comment is just, that's all I got. That is true. <laughs> Moving on to Darwin. Uh, <laughs> so Darwin, if you hear us talking about him tonight, he's the chimp who travels with the family, right? Uh, he's voiced by Tom Kane. But what's interesting is that he only talks to Eliza because she can talk to animals. So he speaks, and he's very, like, well-spoken, and he's very articulate, and he's pretty smart about what's going on, and he gives her kind of, like, life advice. But anytime she's talking with him, if the parents are around, they both have to kind of, like, cool it. Because right. nobody, nobody really knows that she has this power. I don't know why she hasn't shared it with people, but whatever. You think that would make their job it, a lot easier, actually, as wildlife <laughs> journalists? You, you, honestly, you would think that that would be something that, like, right out of the gate... Yeah. You know, and maybe she doesn't want the limelight in, in any way. And that's what I kept thinking to myself is that maybe she does. Maybe she wants to kind of set out on her own path. But at the same time, I feel like if you have the ability to speak to animals and you choose a discipline or a, a focus of study that relies so heavily on speaking with animals, but yet you don't leverage that skill and ability, it's really kind of a waste. And I mean, We'll get into that tonight for the episode. Yeah, she uses uh, it. She just doesn't tell anybody about it, which is strange. Just, I mean, for the cartoon, yeah. it's fine because it has to add that little layer of tension. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, which you'll, you'll find yourself coming back to that theme over and over. I don't want to get too bogged down in the characters because we'll talk about them more in the episode itself. But if we mention Debbie, she is the eldest child of the Thornberries, and she's kind of not interested in all this nature stuff she's just kind of she's a little she's a little grunge she's a little grunge grunge. she's got a grunge thing going on and she's very kind of like rebellious doesn't want to be around the family but is like trapped there so definitely angsty teenage girl yeah constantly embarrassed by her parents i totally get that and i think everybody else does too yeah no that's insanely relatable probably yeah the most interesting member of the group let's get into this we've got donnie Donnie. our feral boy (laughs) his backstory (laughs) is tragic though yeah, he was raised by orangutans in Borneo. His real parents were killed for interfering with poachers. Um, I, I don't... Yeah. This, he could not be for such a tragic backstory. He is the <laughs> pinnacle of smiles and excitement yeah. on this show. Nothing seems to bother him, and he is constantly enthusiastic. He's the kind of person that you're just like, I've had a bad day. And I just wanna, I just wanna be around somebody who's just gonna be positive and outgoing. And then that's Donnie. See, like, that's... I would say like, I've had a bad day. I just want to go like relax. Oh no, there's a feral child that's been raised by orangutans and basically just throws his own crap around and makes a mess all the time and is always chittering and chattering and messing stuff up. I don't know that I would want to hang out with Donnie unless he's in his really? yoga, unless he's in his yoga meditation pose at the end of the day. He mm-hmm. seems a little high strung, okay. but super dark background. Thanks for that. TV movie. Yeah. Also, voiced by Flea yeah. from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. What? <laughs> okay. Because Donnie doesn't really talk. He just kind of jabbers and, and chitters and like makes weird noises. That's really weird for me to think of Flea like in the in the booth making just weird noises for 91 episodes. They were just like, hey, you've seen the Tasmanian Devil yeah. on a Mary Melody's cartoon. They're like, just 
freak out in the booth for a little bit and then just they let him go and it was probably fantastic they probably just recorded the whole session over a weekend and then just reused his bits uh wherever they they (laughs) needed it for 90 episodes i can imagine flea being like a really really like for all those like grunts and and gurgles and and crazy sounds and stuff like that i can imagine them just being like look we're gonna get like two solid hours of flea freaking out with different emotions and then we're just gonna recycle that the weird thing was anthony kiedis actually came in to voice nigel originally but tim curry beat him to the role that's not true at all Mm, moving on to the show itself tonight anything else from the characters or theme song there but nah let's get dangerous get into this yep Where, where are we going like i feel like wild thornberries it seems like something like tropical like maybe in the on the savannah or like in a jungle somewhere or maybe a desert where are we going tonight? Where's the adventure taking us? Oh, no, man. We're, we're basically in the coldest of colds ah. tonight. Ah. We are... They're in the South Pole, right? Yeah, Antarctic. Yeah, Mc, McMurdo. They're in Antarctic. Not the Mick McMurdo. That was just a stutter on my part. The McMurdo Research Station in Antarctica. Oh, um, I'm going to swing on down to a McDonald's and get a McMurdo Mc, right McMurdo, now. yeah. Mick McMurdo. <laughs> on the extra value meal. You can pick it up for a dollar. <laughs> but no, this is a real place. This is a real place. I don't know if the... Um, Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real research station. I actually, a ah. long time ago, back when I was still in college and was more stupid than I am now, was like, mm, maybe I'll take my bio degree and go for like a six-month sojourn down to McMurdo You're Research insane. Station. You're insane. <laughs> I never actually went through the application, but it sounded knowing, like something fun. Knowing what, I know, knowing what I know about you, that would be a death for wish everyone for else you. there. Yeah, it would have been bad. Everyone else. I would have been fine. It would have been like the thing. The, like it would have just the place. That's exactly what I thought. Down. That's exactly what I could not. I could not hear them in that location. And then they were just like, "Oh, we're going to this science base." And I was like, "Oh my oh. god!" If there's if there is a dog that is running towards camp and a helicopter following it with a guy riding like out the side of it trying to snipe it, yeah. I was like, "Get the fuck out of there! Get out of there immediately!" You were gonna get you were gonna get the thinged so bad right get now, thinged. and then they are gonna, and then twenty years later they're gonna make another the thing, and it's gonna be the exact same story leading up to that dog running across the tundra. Yeah, you're gonna be like, was this necessary to make Spoiler it? Spoiler alert! Know what? Absolutely, and then because it's a great movie. And then in between those movies, there's a family of uh, humans known as the Thornberries who actually document the arrival of the <laughs> thing. It's a weird turn for this cartoon to take, but there's a man. It got really bloody there at the end. I was surprised when John Carpenter decided that he wanted to direct Nicktoons. I thought to myself, you know what? I'll allow it. This man has had a pretty storied career. Yeah, and then and Kurt Russell came in, voiced a character. It was, it was, it was a thing. Yeah, God. It's a, it was, it was the weird thing. that the character that he did, it was the thing. Yeah. But it was weird that, uh, it was weird that uh, Russell came in and was just like, I only want to do Snake Plissken. But they were in the middle of the thing. Yeah, like, so wrong, many things going movie, on at but once. That's fine. And then he switched to like Big Trouble in Little China for some reason. But it was all pretty <laughs> much the same character. So nobody really minded. The fact that there was just that kung fu guy just singing karaoke at one point during this, I was like, I didn't quite get it. Well, then, but he, I just, was excited then he just about sat in the it. corner and was like playing with his, his wispy beard the entire time. So it was all right. Well, it was that. It was followed by the fact that he was like, oh, and then he throws a knife at somebody and they grab it and they throw it right back in his forehead. Yeah. And you were just like, well, you know what? This isn't the traditional Nicktoon that I thought of. No, and then Eddie Murphy showed up of- looking for the golden child, and that just complicated things <laughs> even more. This is just, and then Eddie this Murphy is the part of like, the show where Sean and Dave this. write their own recap of an episode. <laughs> oh, One God. that we actually want to see. Okay, so none of that actually happened. What are what are we doing down here at McMurdo Research Station? Oh uh, man, we are checking out penguins. Yeah. Uh, we are uh, we are checking out penguins. Um, and for this episode, which is called "Look Who's Squawking," mm-hmm. uh, we're down uh, we're down in the Antarctic. Uh, and we're, the idea is that they have these penguins that are about to give birth. And so, uh, really, yeah, really harsh, technically the, harsh conditions. Technically, it's like the emperor penguins that carry their, their eggs um, on their feet. So it's off the ice. They carry them on their feet, which you probably saw in March of the Penguins or any of the penguin documentaries, all of which were narrated by Morgan Freeman. Um, <laughs> so they carry them on their feet to keep them off the ice. And they also have like this little like belly pouch fold thingy that keeps them protected and insulated from the cold but they work in pairs the the male and female penguins work in pairs so one will be i think it's usually the male will like kind of walk with the penguins and incubate the egg while the female goes off and is in search of food for the both of them so she has to go out get food bring it back and then keep doing that back and forth and that plays into the plot of this episode which i thought was kind of cool they actually did like a 
pseudo-scientific lesson for kids. That's so adorable. So adorable. I like the fact again, again, you have you have the you have Nigel and you have Marianne working together, yep. and then you've got these male and female penguins working together. And then together. you got Eliza <laughs> fucking up everything in between. <laughs> is the moral of this story. We're introduced to Eliza kind of and she's she's going through the motions of saying that she really wants to be a vet. Yeah, and you can tell because uh, she's dressed head to toe like a vet. Yeah, and she's she's taking care of Darwin as if he actually has some major life-threatening problem which he does not. It it feels like the intro for this that the stakes are really high that like Darwin's life hangs in the yeah, balance. Yeah, I thought we missed something on like a previous episode like he'd been, he'd been run over by like a herd of elephants or something cuz he's he <laughs> is pretty much head to toe in like casts and he's in traction and he's got like wraps all over him and yeah. Yeah. So, uh turns out absolutely nothing. No, he's totally fine. <laughs> She's just playing vet, which is weird. Totally. But it's setting up everything else that kind of happens in this episode. This was, by the way, the highest rated, tied with another one, but the highest rated episode on IMDb. So we went with this one. Right. As far as I'm concerned, they had they got their work cut out for them. I feel like there's better episodes Aww. out there, but this was this was okay. Okay. Hey, you know right. what, man? It's probably super cold down in Antarctica. How cold do you think it Dude, is? Dude, it's a nippy minus 15. And you know how I know? How do you know? Because I, I can walk outside and I could throw a cup of coffee and it polar vortexes itself in that instance. <laughs> What's funny is I actually looked up how cold it would have to be for that to happen. It would probably have to be minus 40 degrees. Fun fact, it doesn't matter if you're measuring in Celsius or Fahrenheit because minus 40 is the same in both scales. However, minus 15, I don't know which one he's talking about. So it would have to be a little colder than he said it was for that hot tea, that boiling, you know, boiling hot tea to freeze instantly. But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. That's not too bad. This isn't Science Corner he- Saturday morning cartoons, so we're all right now. <laughs> here's, a, here's a fun thing that you can do. Yeah. You can lock yourself in a walk-in freezer and lower it down to negative 15 yeah. and try the trick. Yeah. And then have your friend on the outside lower it down to negative 40, give you another cup of tea, yeah. and give it a shot, and then report back. And then call the paramedics, because you're probably in stage 3 hypothermia by this point. But uh, it's all good. <laughs> Oh, man. Sandal season's not going to look good for you this year. Nope, not when you lose all your toes to frostbite. All the toes. <laughs> Moving on. There was actually uh, some near-death experiences in this uh, cartoon, which I did not, I did not expect from on both the penguin side and the human side. So, okay. So they're chronicling the hatching of all these penguins' eggs at this point. That's why they're there in the Antarctic. Uh, Eliza is practicing her vet skills. Debbie is being a bitch. And that's about it. That's about where we're at. <laughs> Right. So what I want to do is I want to kind of break this down into there's three different mini plots that happen. So the first one is Nigel kind of hangs out and keeps an eye on the penguins. And and basically at some point, Donnie ends up with him and they both have like a stakeout where they just watch the penguins. So let's hit that. Let's hit that first. And then we'll move to the next one. All right. So basically, Nigel's just kind of like hanging out in the comedy watching these penguins and like making comments every once in a while. But once Donnie shows up and is kind of like seated next to him, he's it's this cute kind of father-son, father-kidnapped, illegitimate child uh, relationship where he's just like, you know, the secret to... It's, it's Stockholm Syndrome, it's, Dave. Let's just name, let's just name the syndrome yeah, but and let's who's just move the, on who's with it. The, the one suffering from it? Because it feels like Nigel kind of was. Because they can't get rid That's of Donnie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You, we've all thought one way. We thought that the kidnapping happened because they kidnapped Donnie. No. Donnie kidnapped a family. Yeah. This is how this is how in your brain these Nicktoons get when they're able to flip the script on yeah. you and just be like, "Ha ha, you've been Stockholm." That's right by Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's kind of a cute moment, father-son moment between the two. Nigel's very chill. He's just watching the penguins. He's very relaxed, and he tells Donnie like the the first step to being a great documentarian is patience and quieting yourself and just watching the story kind of unfold. Well, at this point, like Donnie is just trying to hold it together, but then he starts fidgeting and freaking out. And every time they come back to them, he keeps freaking out. At some point, Nigel's just like, well, all right, you're just a kid. I really can't get mad at you. And then uh, what, how does Donnie eventually learn to handle his ridiculous uh, fidgeting? He meditates. He meditates. He sort of, he, he gets this very zen-like look. Now, I, I'll say this. I can relate to Donnie mm-hmm. and sort of like his kind of crazy spastic energy. I will sometimes have like a very hard time, not just concentrating, but just sort of, uh, just sort of relaxing. Yes. I have the worst time being able to relax. Uh, it takes a, it, 
it takes a certain degree of just letting of allowing myself to let go in order to relax and just kind of chill. Sometimes it just does not come naturally to me. Yeah. Uh, so like I, I can I can relate. I can I can get what they're going with uh, in here. I will say this though, uh, watching him sort of going through that Zen meditation, I'll say this. When I do yoga and when I'm done doing it, it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Yeah. Hyde. No, but it's, good it's stuff. reversed. It's miss, it's I'm Mr. Hyde ahead of time, and then it's Dr. Jekyll. Oh, I have the other way. I'm I, like I, super chill ahead of time, but then I do yoga and I just like punch through walls because I'm just feeling like <laughs> so jacked up, full of yogi energy. No, same I've thing. Like, I, never to come back. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gone to multiple different yoga studios and they will not let me back. Um, I'm just doing yoga in the park now and I'm just knocking over trees. Yeah, just running through them like the Hulk. No, for me, it's Ugh. like, I can't, this is probably TMI, but like, I can't, uh, all day, all day I'm tired. And then when I try to fall asleep, that's when my mind and body's just like, okay, time to get up and do stuff. So I don't know where the hell that happened, but I have to do like a, like a take 10 or whatever they call it. Yoga. Uh, not yeah. even, not even yoga, just a meditation thing, just a 10 minute quieting. And then I can fall asleep a little more easily, but that's. Yeah, so I mean, it's a cool little in-joke here. Flea was probably into all kinds of alternative medicines and stuff. Who knows? Uh, but it's kind of just like a cute little joke. They also scatter a number of like dad jokes. It doesn't matter who says them. They're all dad jokes throughout the episode. <laughs> One of them is when Marion throws her cup of uh, tea out into the snow. Do you know what Debbie says? You remember what she says? I missed this. What did she, she say? She goes, talk about your iced tea. Golly. Uh. Nobody was talking about iced tea. It's not a funny joke, Debbie. But speaking of Debbie. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything left to say about Nigel and Donnie before we move on to the ladies? No, let's get into the let's ladies. Let's get into the ladies' night. So let's get into De- let's get into uh, we've got Debbie, we've got Marianne, yep. and we've yeah, got, and they're uh, headed back to the station. So uh, they they leave their their dad and uh, you know they leave Nigel out and they go back to the station. Yeah, but we're we're meeting boring Mister Science boring guy, boring Mister Science escort guy, man. I love that Debbie was at first excited to like get back to the station. Like she sees it and she's like, "Ooh, military barracks!" And I was like, "You need to put that girl on a leash because she gonna go wild. She gonna go wild. This girl, all right, wild. (laughs) You gotta lock her down because she's like, ooh, (laughs) military barracks. What 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 happens in these? This is Dave. What are you alluding to? Uh, I don't know. She going wild. She going wild. What's going? I seen videos. I've seen, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen women gone wild. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen cartoon women gone wild. Whoa, nice. whoa. You can order that on our shop Oof. page. Anyway, so she's excited to get to the station basically because they walk this weird line of sexuality here where she's excited because at first she says military barracks and her mom's like, well, why are you so excited about that? And then Debbie says, you know, because it's not the comm V, it's I get to get out of that stanky vehicle, I get to get away from you guys and I get to go hang out with other people in a different environment. But then when they get there, it's basically just like a stripped down cabin. Like there's not much to it at all. They don't even have a TV. There's not much to it right. at all. And then on top of that, they have to wait for this stupid, boring, nerdy science guy to show up and escort them around the place. So Debbie's super oh, not thrilled. Guess what? what? buddy? Boring Mr. Science escort guy yeah. is pulls off mask, oh, yeah. flips long hair mm. back, What's up, everybody? How you doing? Oh, that Turns is not out the voice it's I a woman. Yeah, it's super hot German science intern Lisa Soderblom. <laughs> I'm a Lisa Soderblom. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Is it just me, or is Debbie yes. super into Lisa? Oh, oh, uh, yeah, she's super into. What did you think I was gonna say? I have no idea. I was. Just oh, you just yes. automatically agree. That's okay. what I. No matter that's what. what I thought it was. I'm gonna remember that next I thought time. Was... No matter what I'm gonna say, Sean's gonna agree. Oh no. No, Debbie was super into Lisa. Like, there's she's like, when she shows up, she's just like automatically smitten with her. She's like super pressed up against her, and then when her mom decides to come with them, she's just like, uh, mom, which is like a typical teenage thing, but also kind of like what like she wanted to just spend time with this random german science lady that just showed up because she promised her like live music and a night out on the town it was just like a weird experimental stage i don't know what's going on well you know i I think for as much as debbie feels kind of very claustrophobic around not in a sense of, of you know that the the area of the space that she in is very small, but I mean, she's, she's in a very cramped yep. environment. A lot with her of crazy people. Yeah. A lot of like with two kidnappies yep. that have Stockholm syndrome, yep. um, and a family, uh, of, of one of which has a secret power that 
for some reason, unbeknownst to everybody else, decides not to share it with everybody. Yep. Uh, and documentary parents. And, and she, she's feeling a little bit lost. She's feeling like she doesn't really have a friend in the world that she can really talk yep, to. And I get that. And I think that the same thing, I think, think the same thing for, for Marianne. I think that she's sort of like, you know what, for like, I know that you are a young woman and you're coming into your own, but I'm also in this V with you. I'm also in this cramped space. And I have Stockholm syndrome with an Aboriginal child that we kidnapped that we now have Stockholm syndrome with and a, a monkey that seems to talk to my daughter and spend way too much time with her. Also, it's a monkey that hasn't ripped off anybody's fucking face and yet. And he wears overalls, we're which a, is adorable. Yeah, right. And like a blue and a white striped t-shirt. He looks like a, a little sailor. He's a little sailor monkey. He's a little sailor monkey. Who doesn't monkey. love that, but I'm tired of that. it. I need to go get some strange, is what Marion says. <laughs> She Jekyll and Hyde's. She she does have a moment though where she's kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna go to karaoke. Oh hell yeah, I'm going to the karaoke bar. She she wants to go have a girls' night out. So for Debbie, that's not great. Lisa's all about it because she's German. She's into all three. You know, whatever you're gonna do. Uh, right. Yeah. But I mean, I think it talks the the point that you made earlier, Dave, was the fact that you know Marianne and Nigel. Are, are strong together, yep. but individually they have their own interests oh, yeah. and they're strong apart. They can go out and they can do things. You and could so even win Queen again, of Karaoke awards if you want. Oh man, let's get into this Queen of Karaoke thing. So they, so a uh, German scientist name inserted Lisa by Dave. Lisa Salderblom. So <laughs> Lisa Salderblom uh, takes them to this karaoke. And so she promised them live music. Yep. Turns out it's not really live music per se. It turns out it is live music that is performed by you be a karaoke yeah. who doesn't love karaoke exactly so dave what is your go-to karaoke song my go-to sang? karaoke song is whatever marion sang at this time and space because i even looked up her lyrics i was just like this is not a song this is not a thing that exists <laughs> they could not have gotten the rights to any i don't know what would i i've done uh ants marching and then i found out too late oh i found man. out way too late that the end of it is super high and i cannot sing that high uh what oh, else have enough. i done oh i got oh so so you've 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 entered into every pitfall that anybody else who's ever exactly sang karaoke anybody who doesn't into. take it seriously and thinks that you can just walk up on stage and do it uh and then you look like an idiot i got kicked out of garage door which was a ba- uh, bar in pittsburgh for <laughs> um a drunken rendition of turn the page but it was not the it was the bob seger version that was playing but three of us sang the metallica version and we were way drunker than the audience, so they literally just tossed us out the side door because it was that atrocious. <laughs> but we had a hell of a good time. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't do it very often. Maybe. Uh, okay. Maybe some tonic. Maybe some tonic. If you could only see. How about you, buddy? Oh man, Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. That's that's your go-to. <laughs> that's my go. That or Harvey Danger flagpole. Set. That's a good one. I feel like you should. You should just always go with a live song like from the band live because there's nothing oh, that could possibly yeah. go lightning wrong lightning crashes yeah, that's a good one lightning crashes would be a good one i think the problem is is that uh my vocal range yep. uh that is like the sweet spot for that is like uh mid to late 90s female alt rock oh, okay that's specific reason. and so yeah, Alan- yeah like alanis morissette and like four non-blondes oh, for some reason falls right into that sweet spot and i don't know why but hey, if you ever want to sing the lyrics, her placenta falls to the floor, then definitely pick live lightning crashes. Marion chose not to sing that song for this particular episode. She just kind of made one up on the spot, but apparently we're supposed Can to believe you... that it was something she sang when she was dating Nigel back in the day. Right. It almost, it almost it, for two seconds, it started, uh, it, it gave a feeling or it gave me the sense that it was uh, I Will Survive by Aretha Franklin. It had that vibe like, to it, but it was not that was song like, whatsoever. No, this is not no, that song No, it's a made up song all. that has elements of every other song from like maybe the 80s and the late <laughs> 70s. Because I, I listened but, to I mean, it twice and I looked up the lyrics and that does yeah. not exist. Yep. So, I mean, but good on her yeah. for being just kind of like, I'm doing this. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm and in. Good on the writers you for, know? you know, coming up with a hit karaoke song. Yeah. yeah, sure. You know, and so, uh, and that's the kind, that song is the song that is going to win you Queen of Karaoke, a number one mom medal as well. Right. And it's also going to give your daughter a runner up for most embarrassed daughter of the that's year. That's true. It really did. Uh, it also gives you an opportunity for another dad joke. This time, uh, spoke by the MC of the proceedings. Do you remember this one? No, oh, I have the. I think I had the last dad. Oh, okay, joke that's that good. We'll give you that one. What was the, his last one? Was oh a no, real he was a, 
This was Hello Everybody, no, no, I'm Your MC, which stands yes. for Master of Croaking, Yuck Yuck. And he actually says Yuck Yuck. It's not like yuck, a laugh yuck. fill in it, see, he says Yuck Yuck. <laughs> and he looked like a weird mix of like Nigel and like, um, oh God, what's his name? Damn it. Zach Morris. Sure, Zach Morris. <laughs> Let's go with that. I was going to say Liberace, but the name did not come to me. <laughs> Liberace. He was in like rhinestones and like a weird pseudo tuxedo yeah. thing. He had like pink pants and a white shirt and then like a blue kind of like studded Liberace. coat over top. Yeah, Liberace. <laughs> sure. Okay, so those are our two kind of side plots in this thing. Now we can get to the main stuff, which of course they all interact at different points within the story, especially once they all wrap up at the end. But mostly we're, we're focused on Eliza, uh, Darwin, and a bunch of penguins. Right. Yeah. So, we have, uh, we have uh, yeah, penguins named Kua and Micah. Now, let me ask you this. You're, you're, a, you're a 12-year-old girl. All yeah. Right. No, hold on. Let me, let me get into that mindset. Yeah, put your 12-year-old voice on. 12-year-old girl voice I'm, on. I'm, uh, I'm there. What's That's even on, creepier Dave? than if you would have just spoken normally. I know. That's, That's why I don't. Let's go with that Look, one. I told you. Mid-90s, late-90s female alt-rock. It's not good, Eliza. All right. You're a 12-year-old, <sighs> and you want to be a vet, right? All right. So presumably you know something about animals. So what's your first instinct when you look at a penguin? Probably has problems with it. <laughs> like everything about it is wrong. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me assess the situation. Yeah. Is the penguin like, is the, what state is the <laughs> he's, penguin They're walking. In? They're not laying on their side gasping for air just oh, yet. They're he's, just walking. He, he's just walking? But they're walking. Probably, there's probably problems about They're, prob- they're walking funny saying. apparently. Oh, oof. I love that. That's you know, her first gotta, instinct. You, it's like, no, they're walking. You got to investigate. Like they're fucking penguins. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> how they walk. I like. I like that the two of us. We are not vets, nor do we have any experience with penguins. But if I was to see a penguin, nothing distinguishable about how the way a penguin waddles would make me say, "Oh yeah, there's probably something screwed up with his locomotion." I'd be like, "Oh no, it's a penguin. Oh. I don't care. Yeah. I'm a vet." That's just how penguins walk. Now, I don't know. Yeah. So whatever reason, Eliza decides that she wants to go treat this penguin. Well, Darwin has to keep like pulling her back and just be like, no, it's a penguin. There's nothing wrong with them. Stop trying to like a- get in metal with everything. Just, just leave it alone. So let's put this up there because this is the first time that she causes problems for herself yeah. that are unnecessary. All right. So this is, this is strike number one against you, Eliza. Yep. So, and Lacey uh, Shawbera, if you're listening. You um, killed it, girl. it's not you. We- you did. You, you did, did every it. amazing job with what you were doing. This is just and continue to do. She actually so beautifully. She actually has a lot of voice acting work out there. She's she's been you know, Dave, she's been doing it, that for a while. Dave, please don't interrupt me. I'm 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 talking to Lacey right I know, now. I know. So am I, Lacey. What's up? So, what's up, girl? Come on. You know you had your hey, chance. Up, you had your chance, and you shit the bed on this one, buddy. So it's Sean time now. You got to give this to me, Sean all right? Time. Sean time. Lacey, just hit me, me up. At Doctor Claw MD. Don't even worry about it. Just at Doctor Claw MD on Twitter. You know that Twitter girl. Oh my god! <laughs> I really hope this is the way it's like, <laughs> that you've spoken to woman, women. Before I've spoken to one woman over. through this podcast. It's taken 135 <laughs> episodes. God. Speaking right, to her so, from the future. Uh, penguins walking weird. Yep. Cause for alarm. Yep. What would you do if a penguin was walking weird? Punch it. <laughs> what would it <you> <laughs> just set it straight? <laughs> Damn it. What, like on its stomach? Yeah, let it slide <laughs> like a spirit animal. Yeah, the, the, the second, thank you, because the second Darwin says uh, slide, I got such slide. a fight cloud. I was like, oh my God, if this turns into either a Goo Goo Dolls song yep. or a fight or a, club or a spirit like, cave. sequence thing yeah. where a Helena Bonham Carter is just like slide, See, but here, I would have been like, the fuck is going on? But at this point, there was like a moment where it was like, oh, cool, this is going to be a fun episode because Darwin and Donnie are like sledding and sliding with the other like baby penguins. And it's like super cute. They're just sliding down this little hill. They're sliding on their bellies. Uh, Donnie and Darwin slide on a, on a sled. And then they're like, Eliza, it's super cold out here, but this is a lot of fun. She's like, no, I want to go fix sick penguins, even though there really aren't any to be found. So yeah, eventually when they're going to head back to the research station, they find one that is just like laying down, it's exhausted, it, it can barely speak. Now remember that Eliza can speak to them, sort of. So what happens right. in this interaction here? Uh, so in this interaction, the, the entire time I'm thinking to myself, like, why isn't Eliza just having a yeah. conversation with the penguin? The penguin finally says something and it just goes, 
lost baby and you're like oh well she no. she even like spaces it out more because she goes lost bay b b so eliza is so so impatient that she's like oh you got lost at the bay let's wrap you up and take you back to the station just like huh <laughs> what the penguin's fine it's probably <sighs> just tired you know wrap it up yeah so i love the next interaction that happens because like marco the super cool snowmobile driver he show up he's a marco Hey, I'm a Marco. You have a supplies you need me to pick up and take on my snowmobile? Um, Marco. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to say that this was probably like the coolest thing. I guess maybe if I was in, uh, if I was in middle school and somebody had like came to me and they were one, driving a snowmobile and two, had a foreign accent. And their name I'd was like, Marco. Oh my. I'd be like, what the hell is going on here? You're clearly the coolest person in the world. Marco, if you're listening. At Dr. Claw MD on Twitter, hit me up. Oh my what God, up? would you? What up, bro? Jesus. Mm. What up? Ah, 130 something episodes for this to finally come well, out. I'm glad that we were able to. I'm do an it. equal I'm opportunity we offender, or whatever the word is. I think dater. It, it, that works. Everybody's just trying to swipe right on everybody. On I, I still have no <laughs> idea which direction it's supposed to go. I've never used one of those stupid things. Ah, uh, don't worry. But regardless, speaking about poor decisions, Eliza makes yet another poor decision. She swaddles up this hurt penguin, not knowing anything about it, except she thought that it got lost in a bay. She swaddles it up in this blanket. Marco thinks it's supplies, so he puts it, he just dumps it on the back of the snowmobile. Stamps it. And then uh, Eliza and Darwin hop on the back of this snowmobile with him. Meanwhile, leaving Donnie just like out in the snow, surrounded by baby penguins. He's totally fine. He ends up with his dad later, as we talked about, but... Right. But it's still one of those things that it comes back to once they get back to the actual science station right. where she has this kind of mother-daughter moment with Marianne where she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was really concerned about the, the penguin. And she's like, oh, don't worry. It's fine. Uh, you know, Donnie's back with your dad. And you realize in that moment, you're just like, oh, there were very little There's no repercussions to, whatsoever. To what her actions were. Like, okay, fine. This is not the first time that this no. happens either. So it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, so that happens later. Uh, um, here's here's the, where I was like, Eliza is the weirdest protagonist ever, though, because she makes her own problems through her own mistakes, which is acceptable. Kids make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. And then you learn from them. That's great. That's good storytelling. However, her lies and just straight up poor decisions create more problems throughout. So it's not like an external force is acting upon the hero and causing problems for them to overcome. She's making her own problems through terrible decisions and straight up lying yeah. to her parents. So I really have a hard time feeling like sympathetic for her. And I feel more frustrated and irritated with her because she's making her own problems. And I don't know if that's just like a different style of writing, if it's not great writing, or if it's just what they wanted this character to be. But it irritated me. I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really have, I don't have an answer yeah. to that. I wish I did. I don't feel like it's poor writing. I feel like it was one of those things that, you know, kids, kids lie yeah, sure. and kids have, you know, kids have communication problems, you know, and a 12 year old, a 12 year old, I don't think has all of these things, regardless of how many animals they can speak to. Uh, you know, I just don't think that they have these things sorted out. So for Eliza, it was just, I mean, she is, she's her own worst enemy. She is the antagonist and protagonist of this, this episode. And let oh you calling something else? I got, there's another antagonist. We we soon meet the world's bitchiest scientist for no uh, okay. apparent reason. And she's a vet, and she's a she's an actual. She's vet. a vet. She's working at an aquarium. I don't know. She never really yeah. says. She's just kind of like a lady in a coat. That's a real bitch. Right. Uh, <laughs> so Eliza brings this penguin in, and this the first thing we see is like Eliza standing at the table, the penguin on the table, and this lady standing over it. She's like. First of all, we can't even have penguins in here. Second of all, this is an aquarium. No children are allowed. <laughs> Which, also, when you hear the word let's, aquarium, let's... I automatically associate uh, fish and children. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like right. aquariums seem like something that kids should either own and take care of or go visit at least once a year. But what do I know? I don't know. I wanted to pump the brakes on that conversation so hard because I was like, you are in the, you are in the Antarctic. Yeah. There are penguins. There are emperor Everywhere. penguins all around you work at an aquarium that has fish and other yeah. animals and wildlife that's down that's indigenous to this area what do you mean you can't have fucking <laughs> penguins here you even you mean, i love that they even me. have a, a booth they have a a, a, a makeshift a like a penguin enclosure thing. ready for it what the fuck is this 
It's a one fucking peg. liar. That's where our tax dollars are going to unused Jesus. penguin enclosures at McMurdo Research Station. Write your congressman. Mick, Mick. This is a shambles. Remember, it's Mick McMurdo. Mick McMurdo. So just right, whenever you write your letter, write directly Mick to them. McMurdo. On the dollar menu. <laughs> so I don't know. It was just a really strange thing for that scientist to just be like straight up bitch. Like she was the entire episode. There, there was never a time where she was just like. Oh man, I'm glad you brought that penguin in, and she's she's super fine now. But she would have died without you, so thanks for the good job. No, she's just like, why are you here? Why is there a dirty chimpanzee in here? So she's also a racist <laughs> and a speciesist. Uh, so I don't know. She's terrible. I feel like I feel like the larger backstory was that this this vet uh, came down after like a breakup with like a fiance with Marco. She was left at the she was oh, left at the, like, at the altar. She was left. Oh, oh Marco no, broke up with her. Marco. But, and, and they now thought they that they were going to get sent. together at McMurdo. There's nowhere to go. Marco leaves her at the altar. Yeah. They thought that they were going to be at separate oh, research no. stations. Oh, oh this no, was your summer at the, the Antarctic. One. I thought you were going to the Arctic. Oh, no. <laughs> Marco. Oh, I brought only my swimsuit in this small, small speedo that's down here. Oh, my name is Mark. This small, small like, speedo. Yeah, know. I would love to stay and Mark. chat with you, but I have to meet German scientist Lisa Soderblom for karaoke <laughs> and supplies. Okay, ciao. <laughs> ciao, Bella. He never says that, but he super <laughs> should have said ciao. Uh, Come God, on, Marco. Get it together. So, the, the, whole, the whole idea about the next part yeah. of Eliza's story is her running errands back and forth between yeah. the penguins and their, their, their emperor penguin population and then back to the penguin that's now in this aquarium. In the, in the specially so, made enclosure, yeah. In this penguin enclosure. And it's just her going back and forth having communications basically, issues. And that, that's yeah, it. basically like putting out small fires that she created through her lies and terrible decision making. That really kind of culminates, like, we go back and forth. She drops Darwin off and leaves him in the middle of the Arctic to stand. He's a chimpanzee. Remember this? She, in a winter coat. Also, right? Yeah, good. She fucking fat shames the hell but out of him. It was hilarious. It's the just, only time this entire episode I, that I laughed. <laughs> right? So she, she had to go because, talk to the other penguin who needed to go get food. So Darwin had to keep the, <laughs> the egg on his feet. And then his feet weren't warm enough and his winter jacket wasn't warm enough. So what did he need to do? He needed to put his, his belly his fold. His belly fold. I don't have a belly fold. <laughs> oh, his stomach fold yeah. is what she, she calls She's it. Like, he's yes, like, yes, I do. don't have a stomach She's like, stop sucking it in. This is important. And he's like, ugh. And, and then he just, just kind of sighs and just lets Blech. that gut out over time. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only time I laughed this entire time. So as they're shuttling these uh, things back and forth, and Eliza goes back and goes to get the other penguin out of captivity at this point, because she realizes, oops, I fucked up. I imprisoned this penguin against her will. She was just trying to get food for her family. Yeah. And she takes it back in the snowmobile, which she promptly crashes. Dude, I was in that wreck. Ugh. I was like, oh, man, they're going to find a dead female emperor penguin and a dead 12-year-old girl in this snow drift. It would have been great if they found, like, a half-eaten corpse of uh, emperor penguin and then just Eliza, just, like, blood, blood and blubber on her face. But like frozen in like a solid block of ice, looking like really like out of the shining. Of like <laughs> <laughs> cartoons for kids. But no, that we come close. We come close. They now have to walk the what seems like it's only fifty feet to the emperor penguin group. <laughs> At certain points when yeah. they pan, you can see the penguins they're, in they're front right of them. They're right there, guys. She's like, it's it's so Ugh. cold. The the emperor penguin. She's like, I am made for this. Just she just waddles out in front of him. She's like, stay behind me. Eliza takes two steps and she's like, I'm just going to lay down and die here because it's really cold. Uh, man, all right. I, you know what? I, I can't say, I can't obviously envision this as a 12 year old girl, right. but as a 12, having been previously a 12 year old boy, I can totally say that there are moments in your life when you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to lay here, curl up in a ball and act like I'm I dead. had, I had, I'm like, oh, I can relate to this. I can hundred percent relate to what she's going through. I'm not even in the cold. I was under a blanket, and I'm just like, I wish I was dead right now. I had now. two moments Fuck. that I can, I can distinctly remember when I was a little kid, younger than her, probably like maybe six, seven, eight, somewhere around there, where I was in my winter clothes. I had to walk a longer way to get to the bus because uh, snow was so bad that it forced them to take like the main roads and not the side streets and stuff. And I remember walking like halfway there and getting so cold that I just like stopped and sat down in a snowdrift. And like older students and adults were walking by me, and they were just like, 
you okay, kid? I just kind of nodded, and they were like, well, okay, everything seems fine here, and they just kept walking. <laughs> so at some point, I think and I we survived. we never saw Dave Trumbar again. I either survived, or this has been 30 years of a fever dream. Um, oh, and another man. time, I was actually one of those kids who like was making an igloo snow tunnel thing, and the whole thing collapsed on me. I just Oh, no yeah, shit. Yeah, I just dug out, because it was just like, it was fairly light powder snow, and it wasn't super okay. deep. But uh, yeah, so two times where I basically felt like Eliza wanted to just lay down and die in the Arctic. <laughs> but I did not have a penguin to nuzzle me back into consciousness, which she had. Little now, brat. let me ask. Uh, if you were a penguin yeah. and, you had, and, and, and this 12-year-old girl had been fucking with you this entire yeah. time, wouldn't you take your little flipper and just kind of like fucking just slap? Just, just like walked. flipper slap? I just walked. Because I'd have been like, you know what? I'm just a penguin. I'm going to do penguin things, like make sure that my baby's fine. Like I'm gonna slide. I'm gonna slide, slide away from this this murder. I'm gonna slide away from this CSI yeah, scene. I'm gonna right slide here. away from this corpsicle in process who has kidnapped <laughs> me and endangered the life of my family and left a rabid chimp watching over my brood. So since this is a Nicktoon, everything turns out fine. Uh, the weirdest part is that Eliza suffers like no punishment whatsoever for let's let's keep track here lying multiple times to her parents basically breaking into uh, a, a government research facility multiple stealing times, a snowmobile kidnapping a penguin crashing that snowmobile i love when a right. uh, super sexy suave marco he's like oh hello this might be a bad time but i noticed that my snowmobile is crashed into disrepair is eliza okay <laughs> And they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry, guys. I forgot to tell you that I stole a snowmobile. Uh, and Marco's like, oh, no, don't worry. It's okay. Goodbye. Oh, it's okay. Goodbye. I go back into the snowstorm now. <laughs> as quickly as he enters in, I'm like, A, how did you get here? B, how are you getting that snowmobile I just walked the 34 miles through the snow to get here. It's fine. I, I take a broken snowmobile back. Ciao. Don't worry. I am a part penguin, but uh, ciao. Hey, don't worry. I have supplies. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid okay what was eliza's actual punishment so like the egg hatched they got it on camera for literally five seconds before they packed it up and went back into the caravan what was eliza's punishment for basically being the worst she, she human? Has, her entire punishment for all of this for creating all these problems over 22 minutes of this episode yeah. is that for the next five stops in the convi she has to clean the convi that's that's the punishment does not seem has. steep unless she's cleaning out like the septic tank that's a little gnarly um Probably. Yeah, but other than that, it's not that bad. I do like that they showed like Donnie spilling his coffee and Darwin spilling his coffee as like that was supposed to be like, oh, it's gonna be a messy trip. Uh, well, I mean, I thought that it was a, uh, I thought it was actually hot cocoa. Well, either one, yeah. Um, because Donnie spills it onto his plate and then lifts his plate up to his yeah. mouth and just kind of slurps the whole the thing back. I'm just like, oh, that's pretty genius. It was cute. Like, they had cute little moments like that. that for Donnie because he doesn't really get any dialogue, so he just has cute side moments. Like he'll be playing with the penguins or whatever. Do we get this last? You got it, buddy. This is all you. Joke towards the end. Uh, we get this moment where sort of all of the the storylines are kind of coming and coalescing at the very end of the episode, and we get this moment where uh, Nigel finds out that Marianne has won this karaoke queen award, and he goes, "Well, you know, she's always been pretty. Her singing has always been pretty carry." okay with me uh, <laughs> but it's fine because it's tim curry yeah i know I'll, I'll pretty much listen and watch anything tim curry's in so it doesn't tim matter curry, if you're listening at sean paul ellis on twitter oh my yeah. god <laughs> just just want to talk about that movie legend that you were in when you were the devil that's all i want had to a talk giant about cod piece that was terrifying that that makeup was amazing let's get into the cod that. piece actually wasn't makeup that was just all tim curry Fuck. You know what? That's why he's, that's why he's a treasure. Yeah, that's why. Because he got that devil cod piece. <laughs> that's what he's known for. Man is a treasure. All right, anything else from Man this episode before we move on to uh, Love It or Hate It? No, let's get into it. All right, it. so we are going to reveal our takes and opinions on this particular episode of The Wild Thornberries, but there are other folks out there who loved it or hated it. Sean, which one do you want to take, love or hate tonight? Uh, I'm going to take, take love. take some love. What yeah. do we got? Um, so this is, uh, this is from, uh, Vitani girl. Sure. Where's uh, she from? <laughs> she, I love it. I don't know who allows them to do it. This is just crazy. It says, uh, from, I'm proud to be an American right. with two exclamation Ooh. points, which, all right. Uh, it says, uh, a cause for applause. 
The Wild Thornberries is a cause for applause, folks. Anyone who doesn't like it must have mistaken the show for something or for some other thing. Because I can't understand why anyone would dislike this sweet, educational, fun, family-friendly show about a lovable 12-year-old kid with the gift of gab in air quotes. What I mean by this is that Eliza can talk to animals. (laughs) And don't you wish you could too? I do. It's my favorite show with rocket power in close second and as told by Ginger in third. Other than that, I don't watch too much TV. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah, you're really fucking going off on a tangent on this one. She gave this 10 out of 10 10 stars. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Gab, loved a cause it. for applause. Uh, All right, she loved man. it, but uh, Sir Freeman from Estonia apparently hated it. <laughs> Two out of 10 stars. This is relatively recent. This is from 2010. There's no reason to be posting a <laughs> review of a show that went off the air in 2007. This, like, anyway, here we go. Sir Freeman. Nickelodeon has a lot of great shows, which they tend to cancel for no apparent reason. Like Hey Arnold, As Told by Ginger, SpongeBob, Danny Phantom, Kappa Mikey, but sadly this one just isn't up to par. I first saw the show in 2001, and even back then, as a kid, I disliked it. One of the biggest problems and what really kills this show is character development. Whenever a character develops in an episode, all the progress is forgotten once you get to the next one. Also, Eliza's completely arrogant, and probably more than half of the situations she gets into wouldn't even occur if the little brat would have bothered to let the person slash animal complete their sentence. This point alone makes the show extremely unbearable. End of rant. Also, I would like to add that the person responsible for rocket power should be fired. <laughs> so I'm, I, I think Sir Freeman actually makes a lot of good points as far as Eliza, as far as your main character. I also like to include both of these uh, reviews because they mentioned rocket power and as told by Ginger, which may or may not be coming up later this month. But before we get to the upcoming schedule, Sean, buddy, do you recommend the Wild Thornberries? And if not, does it get the dip, which means it's erased from existence from all time? You know, again, I'm going to agree with you with the fact that in this, and uh, I guess this is with some of our our third-party reviews as well, Eliza is her own worst enemy. And, you know, from, from episode to episode, it doesn't seem like there is a ton of carryover in this. But you know what? I would still recommend okay. this. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Even as this being the highest rated episode tied on IMDb, I still really enjoyed okay, it. Okay, cool. I'm actually, I was a little disappointed in this one. I remember liking it as, I think my brother was watching these more at this time. I was kind of in like the high school years at this point. I don't think I was really watching too many Nicktoons. But I watched it with him, and I remembered liking the idea of the Wild Thornberries because it was sort of, a, it was a different take. They had a full episode to tell a story so they could get a little deeper into some things. They, you know, they did the, the wildlife stories. They did pseudoscience tales. And I thought the little extra magical twist was interesting. I just remember it being better than this particular episode. So I'll say check it out. Uh, seek it out. Start at the beginning. This was like deep into episode or season five. So maybe it was a little fresher earlier on and maybe they stopped caring as much later on. I know that Klasky <laughs> and Chupo were not as involved with the writing process after that first season or even the first half of the first season. I think they only did about 10 episodes or so. Um, I think unless I'm getting, I might be getting my, my series confused. So don't hold me to that one. Uh, probably. They were probably like, we got to go back and redo Rugrats and put them in, <laughs> in middle school or high school. No, we've got to do the crossover where the Rugrats meet the wild thornberries called Rugrats Go Wild. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I would, it's a weak recommendation, but just to complete your Nicktoons watching, go check out some early episodes of Wild Thornberries. I remember liking it as a kid, kid-ish teenager. So it's got to be better than this. <laughs> <laughs> is my ringing endorsement. Probably wow. <laughs> better than penguins. Sold me on this. Yikes. All right, buddy. What do you have coming up in the next couple of weeks for listeners out there? Man, if you are in the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area, and you're interested in watching some live improv comedy, uh, I do live improv comedy with Washington Improv Theater. You can find more information and tickets with dc.org. And as always, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Paul Ellis. Fantastic. You can find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also find me on Collider.com and Nerdist.com and DaveTrumbor.com. If you're interested in finding out more about the show, you can do so at our Patreon page. In case you missed the ad at the beginning of this particular show, yes, we do have a Patreon account up and running, and we are taking donations so we can, uh, you know, 
get better equipment for this show and pay off some of the behind the scenes expenses and also just to bring you guys more content and, and a, a better show overall. Uh, we've been doing this for what's coming up on three years in a few months, yeah. three years now. Um, you know, it's all out of Sean and, and my pocket and we love doing it and we have a blast doing it. We just want to make it better. And the only way we can do that is to have a little bit of capital to play with. So even if you guys can't make a donation on our patreon.com slash Saturday morning cartoons page, just please feel free to uh, share the word, spread the word, and let folks uh, know that you love the show. You can also find us on SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U. Find us on Twitter at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. Keep the conversation going on Facebook. Watch uh, videos weekly on YouTube. And uh, you can listen to us each and every week for free through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, you can send us your suggestions, which... We'll actually be getting to a number of listener suggestions coming up in February. That's a little tease for the schedule ahead. But as always, you can send us an email to suggest them, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Speaking of what's coming up in the weeks ahead, what's, what's going on with these Nicktoons, man? What's up next? Um, man, so uh, next up, and uh, we have Rocket Power. Sorry, Sir Freeman. <laughs> it's time for Rocket Power. Uh, time for Rocket Power. Uh, we have uh, As Told by Ginger, and then we are closing out our third New Year's Nicktoons with Invader Zim. Those last two I haven't seen. Rocket Power I remember, but those last two I, I have not seen. I'm blown away that you have not seen Invader Zim. You know, I've, like, I've seen like a bit of it, and I was just like, no, nah, not right now. Not right now. Ooh, okay. So we'll see how it uh, turns out at the end of this month. But that's what we'll be doing for New Year's Nicktoons. This has been Saturday Morning Cartoons. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. We hope to see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.